This week on the Off the Crossbar podcast, the Georgia Swarm keep the perfect season alive with a win over Vancouver. Buffalo knocks off Rochester in the three-way battle as Matt Vince becomes the all-time savior. Calgary sits at the top of the West with the Mammoth still searching for their first win. We got two paths and a big cat all this week on OTCB. I am an outlaw. Welcome to another edition, the first of a new year. It's the Off the Crossbar podcast here on SoundCloud and NLL Radio. My name is always, it hasn't changed, even though it's a new year. It's Teddy Jenner. Thanks for tuning in. You can find me on Twitter at Off the Crossbar, or you can email me, teddy.jenner at gmail.com. Lots to talk about this week. Three great guests, Pat Merrill, Pat Gregoire, and the big cat, Kevin Crowley. All will stop by after what was a very entertaining week four in the National Lacrosse League. It all started Friday night in Toronto as the Rock, well, they did battle against those pesky Philadelphia Wings. They get themselves an OT win on Saturday. The Vancouver Warriors just couldn't find that win deep in the heart of Georgia. Buffalo put a whooping on Rochester. Saskatchewan outlast San Diego. And in the Rocky Mountain Rumble, Calgary wins the 44th installment over the Colorado Mammoth. And it all sounded a little like this. Six seconds. There's Puche. For a screen, scores again. Oh, my. Uses Harris' body as a screen. And the second overall pick. Pulls Philly to within one. Eat up as much clock, but they'll still try to get a shot. Philly on the power play, off the post. And now a big rebound. It's free. The Rock have it. Here's Schreiber. Tom Schreiber. Hook his shoulder down. Oh, my gosh. Scores! possession crowd on their feet plants fires scores and it is over Adam Jones with his fifth of the night and the Rock win at 11-10 in overtime Shuss at the top of the zone sends it over the ball five left to shoot ball crash at the net shot score Keegan ball his third of the night. And he used his size to his advantage on that one. Transition opportunity here. A three on one. And a huge save by Mike Pullen, knocking the net off the mooring. Now up top, flips it back. The Thompson over to Thompson, shot, score! With just 6.1 seconds left, Miles Thompson gets his third of the night. Poland was out of position, and now a pickoff here from Lyle Thompson. All alone, one-on-one, shot, score! And that could be the finisher. Cody Jamison, far side. Now to Jamison with a bomb, and there's a kick save by Matt Vince, and the rebound picked up. Off the stick of Ian McKay. There's a note for Matt Vince. Made the save. 
and set the all-time save record of the National Lacrosse League. Just needed five tonight, and he's turning them aside so far in this game. Ganks, rebound picked up, and a break for Buffalo, and it's Steve Priolo one-on-one with Angus Goodley. Here's Priolo, scores! Oh, great goal by the captain. You're wondering if the Nighthawks were gonna call timeout, maybe pull Goodleaf, get the last shot, but they forced the offensive possession. Sean Evans with a drive that goes wide. Five seconds left on the shot clock. Hogarth scores! Wow, that kid just doesn't quit, Johnny. The Nighthawks have Goodleaf out of the net, so they can go five on four. Might as well try to get back into this game with 8.45 remaining, and they do with a shot on and score. Great way to do it and leave it for number 88 to get the ball into the twine. Save, rebound goes all the way back out in front. Brandon Robinson taking the shot. Sprawling save by Vince. It's really crushing transition here, guys. Here's Dutch. Shot scores! Ward got a piece of it, but not enough. And Reese Dutch, we talked about in the opener, loves to play in this building. That's his seventh of the season. McLaughlin, Rue, Noble, backhand feed, Rue, Banesh, Rue, McLaughlin. Oh, what a save! Wow! Tell Bianco, oh my goodness, what a save! They'll play three times this year. McLaughlin five-hole scores! Fantastic ball cut. Got Del Bianco in a fight in the first fake. We're tied at two. Lynn speeds off the bench. Courier shoots and scores! On the run, short side from Courier. It's back to a two-goal game. Brad Self. Self gonna run. Mammoth don't have numbers. Self won't shoot it and score anyway. Wow. A little push pass from Brad Self. Made it cut. Del Bianco by surprise. It's 10 8. All alone. Shoots and scores. Shane Simpson with his first. And I believe his first in the NLL. It's a three goal game with 45.3 remaining. A crazy night in Toronto where The Rock just had three goal scorers, Schreiber, Jones, and Slade, yet they still find a way to win. And 
Adam Jones, overtime, backing the guy in, step back shot around the defender. Pretty classic from Mr. Jones. And what was a great weekend in the NLL? Week five, we got five games all on Saturday. Georgia at Philly, Toronto at Colorado. New England at Calgary, Saskatchewan at Vancouver, Rochester at San Diego as the Seals will be the last team to have their home opener. And they'll take on the Rochester Nighthawks, who are coming off a bit of a butt whooping by their throughway rivals, the Buffalo Bandits, where Matt Vince, as you heard, set the record for all-time saves in the National Lacrosse League. Of course, all games, you can see them live on Bleacher Report Live. And as we move along in the season, um, we're going to talk a little bit about Pat Merrill in a minute. But now we're starting to find teams trying to find their identity. With the delayed start to the season, it's kind of taken some teams a little while to get their wheels going. And case in point, the Colorado Mammoth. And I had a few people ask me after that game against Calgary on Sunday, what is up with the Mammoth? And it's not a cut-and-dry situation. I truly believe that bringing in two new coaching staff members has really slowed the progress down of this team. They did revert back to some old defensive schemes which helped them settle in against Calgary. Uh, They were exploited quite a bit against San Diego in their first game. They watched some game film. They went back, studied the tape. And they made the right adjustments on the defensive end. And they played a very strong defensive game against Calgary. The concern that I have for the Colorado Mammoth right now is out the front door. And a lot of people will be saying, well, why are they having such troubles when everybody out the front door is back from last year? And that's a very good question. However, with the addition of Sean Williams as the O coach, he has put in his wrinkles into the offensive system. And it's taking the guys a little bit to get used to it. Now, will they make some adjustments going into Toronto? Possibly. I just think that this offensive group of seven needs to get back to what was working for them in the past. And that was fluid ball movement, ball cuts, guys getting to the middle of the floor. And if you're listening or watching the game this weekend, you heard John Gallant, our man between the benches, say that Sean Williams was preaching, get to the middle of the floor, get to the middle of the floor. And they had a tough time doing that in the first, say, two and a half quarters. Late in that game, especially when they were trying to push for those tying goals late in the fourth quarter, they were getting their opportunities by getting to the middle of the floor, getting to the front of the net. It just didn't fall for them, and Christian Del Bianco was outstanding, making 41 saves. The ball will eventually start to fall for this group. I just think they're gripping their sticks a little tight. You saw that in the first five, six minutes of that game where they had numerous guys ball cutting to the front and the pass just wasn't there. The looks were there. The passes just weren't connecting. And I think if those passes hit sticks and then they find the back of the net, this game is a little bit different. Unfortunately, the way the NLL goes and the way the rivalry between Calgary and Colorado go, a couple mistakes, the ball ends up in the back of your own net, and that can be the decider in the game. Unfortunately for Colorado, the bounces didn't go their way. They're 0-2 for the first time since 2010. And that year just happens to be the only year that the Mammoth failed to make the NLL playoffs. Now, 
Do I think this trend continues? Do I think the Mammoth will continue to go downhill and not make the playoffs? No. This group is too talented, too deep, and too veteran-laden to not make the playoffs and not right this ship. It might take some time, but I think with Toronto coming in this weekend, a team they match up quite well well against, and they usually play very well, I think things change this weekend inside the Loud House. Crazy that the Mammoths start with four straight home games before they'll take to the road while they'll face Vancouver at the end of the month. But the Mammoth, they do need to sort some things out. And it's rare to see Dylan Ward's name near the bottom of the goaltender standings. He's got a 13.9 goals against and a .681 save percentage. Not normal numbers for the 2017 goaltender of the year and a perennial goalie of the year candidate. And I think a lot of that has to do with the changing of defensive systems but from you know a true Pat Coyle system, throwing in some wrinkles with Andrew McBride. But now they've kind of sorted the back end out. Now Sean Williams and the veterans out front really need to figure their things out. To see Jeremy Noble in that game not score a goal and not really look the same dangerous, shot-focused Jeremy Noble, that has to change. Jeremy Noble's got to be a guy taking 12, 15 shots a game, and he just hasn't been doing that in the first couple of games this season. So we'll see what adjustments the Mammoth make going into their game against Toronto, and we'll see what Toronto brings because this is a club that's starting to roll and starting to find their feet and coming off that big overtime win, they get their second win of the year, and they're sitting in third out east with a 2-1 and one record. I'll be on the call for that game along with John Gallant and Jamie Shuchuk from the Loud House as the Rock and Mammoth renew their rivalries. Things get started with Georgia and Philadelphia, but the game that a lot of people will have their eyes on will be Rochester at San Diego as the Seals take to their home floor for the first time in franchise history, and you know everybody has to be getting super pumped up for that game. If I was in the area, I would be going to check it out because I would love to see what that crowd is like, especially having waited this long. This is week five of the NLL season, and they have yet to play a home game. So you can guarantee that Fans are excited, the players are excited, and the staff is excited as well. And that's where we'll pick up our conversation with head coach and GM Pat Merrill as the Seals get ready to dive in. Oh, I, I couldn't be more excited. Uh, I know the, the guys are, are really excited as well. And, and uh, our front office staff in San Diego has done a, have done a really, really amazing job, I think, uh, and been working around the clock to make sure it's a, a really amazing experience for our fans and and for our players, et cetera. So uh, we're, we're really looking forward to it. Obviously, it's going to be beneficial for you guys to start a little later fan-wise. How important is that for you um, as a general manager to make sure that the outside stuff is taken care of before you guys get there? Yeah, that, that that's a great point. And, um, you know, our president, Steve Govett, you know, it's obviously not his first uh, first time through something like this. And that was the, the message that he that he sent me and, and the rest of the players uh, as well. Uh, as soon as, um, you know, you know, our message earlier this week was, you know, make your arrangements, um, you know, um, 
and plans early in the week and get that off your plate because, you know, we have to sh- obviously shift our focus pretty quickly to uh, to Rochester and preparing for that game. They're a great team, and it's a, it's a really important game for us, especially coming off of two losses. So I know a lot of guys have family and, and, and friends coming in for the game, but, um, again, our focus has to be on our team and, and what we do on the floor going into the weekend. Um, but it's a challenge. You know, it's certainly a challenge, that's for sure. You guys uh, started hot out of the can against Colorado in your first game, uh, and then your last few games um, haven't quite gone your way. But you have to be pretty happy and and pleased with the way that your club is playing in your first few games. Yeah, I mean, obviously the the game in Colorado was a pretty um, pretty emotional high for us, and mm-hmm. and, uh, and an exciting way to start and. Um, um, you know, we kind of came back to earth uh, the following week in Calgary, and I didn't think we had our, our best effort. And then, um, and then against Saskatchewan, um, you know, as we all know, they're they're a great team, very well coached, um, experienced team, championship level team, and they were hungry. Uh, you know, obviously coming off a loss uh, in their and and it was their home opener and banner raising ceremony and all that type of stuff. I thought. With all those things considered, I thought we hung in there and we played better than we did um, in Calgary the week before. And, but, you know, again, just like everyone else around the league, um, you and I were, were talking about this before the call. Of, you know, we're, we're just we're trying to find ourselves, right, and trying mm-hmm. to find, find the right chemistry and, and getting to know guys and what they can do and, and, what, what, and they're trying to carve out, carve out um, consistent roles for themselves within the lineup. So, um you know, again, I think, you know, the name of the game for us right now is just, again, finding that chemistry and finding that consistently uh, consistency so that we can stay in the mix. What is the identity of this team early on? It's uh, a good question. Um, you know, I, 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 you know, we, we feel like we have, um, you know, some young different difference makers in our lineup, and then we have some great um, character experienced leaders and, and you know, I, I don't know if we've, we've quite established our identity now. I know, I know that we want to, we know that we have to, you know, we have to work hard and we have to, uh, you know, not just play with each other, but we got to play for each other out there to be able to compete with the rest of the teams in the league, being a new team. And 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 we've kind of started building on that. Um, and and I think for now, that that that's kind of been our primary focus. And then. Yeah, I think as we as we continue to grow and 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 move through the season, I think um, we'll get a better understanding of of who we really are. You touched on the youth and the experience. You know, you got Austin Stotts leading your team after three games, but then you look, you got Kyle Buchanan, you got Dan Dawson, then a couple of names down, you got your brother and the newly returned Garrett Billings. How important is that veteran experience to an expansion team? Um, well, I, 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 you know, obviously, um, I can just speak for us. I think it's, uh, it's been, it's been critical. I think yeah. it's been really important. Um, you know, just, you know, obviously the type of people that, that Brody and, and Dan and, and Kyle and, and Cam Holding and all, all, all of our leaders are mm-hmm. and veteran experienced guys are, um, that really helps because they're they're great examples on and off the floor for for the way I think you know profess, any professional lacrosse players should carry themselves and, and especially a great influence on our younger players like Austin. Um, but also too, I mean, 
you know, when you look around the room, you know, you have guys that have been there before, right? Yeah. You know, and, and as an expansion team, that's, that's, uh, you know, that's an important thing because, you know, and they've been through the battles. They've played in, 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 uh, hostile environments like Colorado and Calgary and Saskatchewan before. And, and, uh, and I think that gives the younger guys a bit of a, um, you know, a bit of a sense of uh, a little bit more confidence going into those games and it allows them to just kind of take a deep breath and, and focus on what they could do to contribute to our team. Does anyone have more fun on lacrosse for than Austin? <laughs> yeah, no, he uh, he does have a lot of fun out there. Uh, that's for sure. I mean, um, that's that's the one thing that, that's um, resonated with me, just even since I start, started coaching him and, and, and first started being around him when he was in junior uh, with the Arrows is that he just has he has such a the game's really important to him and mm-hmm. he has a he has a very such a huge uh, passion for um, for the game um, and that's where he's himself right that's where he's most comfortable and and I think it shows uh, shows on the floor for sure uh, out the front door we mentioned Garrett Billings how important was it to get him back and healthy. <laughs> Yeah, you know what? Uh, I thought, uh, you know, for for being off as long as he's been off for, I thought Garrett looked uh, had had a great first game. I know he's going to get stronger and more comfortable um, the more that he that he plays. Uh, you know, obviously right away he's such an intelligent player um, mm-hmm. that uh, and always been a player that makes a, makes everyone else around him better. And, and we saw that immediate impact like almost uh, right away in Saskatchewan. Makes our power play better. Um, he's got a he's got an outside shot that you, you need to respect, but it, also he's got uh, great vision. So uh, we're we're pretty thrilled to have him back in the lineup. How are the outdoor practices going for you? Working your can? <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I mean, you know, us fair skin Merrill's like we're it goes straight to the burn uh, normally, <laughs> but but uh, no, it, it's been you know it's been really neat. You know, it's it's yeah. really cool. Um, you know, uh, hopefully you get a chance to come down and check it out. Uh, our 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 practice facility, like uh, the, the outdoor rink, is right outside of our right outside of our our, our arena. So our, our locker room is right there, and, and the guys, uh, I think, uh, when the sun's shining and they're out there practicing, I think uh, in you know in December or January, uh, they get pretty get pretty excited about that. So it, it's been nice. Um, you know, and it's and it's a good, it's a decent floor too as well to practice on, and mm-hmm. and uh, and so, yeah, it's 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 definitely got a lot of benefits. It checks a lot of boxes, that's for sure. You're basically coming up to the quarter mark of the season for you guys. What's the message going into a, a pretty important game against Rochester this weekend? <clears throat> yeah, I mean, obviously, you know, we we weren't hoping to come home uh, one and two, but. You know, if we looked at the schedule before the season started, I think we would have been pretty pleased with with um, with being 500 after our first uh, first four games. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, you know, our pro- process isn't you know, like I said earlier, it, you know, we we have to focus on getting better uh, every day and every week, and uh, we felt like we've done that. Um, you know, and, uh, and and at the same, but at the same time, you know. Uh, we can't waste time. You know, every every game is so important in this league, and and we got to treat every game almost like it's a playoff game if we need to stay in the mix. And and again, you know, we we need to be you know beware of the wounded dog. You know, Rochester had a had a tough loss last weekend, and we know they're going to be hungry to 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 correct that and uh, get back on track. And 
and so are we. So we expect a, a pretty competitive game. And, uh, you know, we want to feed off the, the energy and, and enthusiasm of, and uh, excitement that comes along with our home opener. But we got also got to focus on, on doing our jobs the best that we can. Are you, are you happy with where your team is right now? I know you mentioned you'd like to be maybe, maybe two and one on the other side of the coin, but moving forward with this group, are you happy where you're at? Um, I, I'm, I'm never, yeah, <laughs> I'm never that's a great answer. Yeah. <laughs> I'm never content. Uh, you know, I, I, I mean, I, you know, um, am I happy with, with the group of guys and, and their approach to, to our team and, and to the game so far? Um, absolutely. I think we have a great group of guys and, uh, I think we're going to get better and, and, um, you know, but, um, you know, I'm, I'm day to day, week to week, just probably like most other coaches or GMs around the league. Um, you know, we can never stop improving. There is Pat Merrill, longtime national lacrosse league player, first time head coach and general manager as the seals get set to take on the Nighthawks in their first home game. The seals, they're in a playoff spot as of right now. Sitting in third place in the West at one and two, just a game and a half back of the first place Calgary Roughnecks, who have played four games and sit at three and one. And it's always great catching up with Patty. Uh, he and I are Mercyhurst alum together, uh, and I'm super excited for him to be in this role and having some early success. And you heard him say, day to day, game to game, week to week. Sometimes he's happy, sometimes he's not. But I guess that's the life of a coach and general manager in any sport. Because you could see the emotion his team had in that first game. Their second game against Calgary, they kind of had a bit of a nosedive. And then they found a little bit of their legs against Saskatchewan. But they just couldn't pull it out going up against a very experienced team. But we talked about the experience in that locker room. And getting Garrett Billings back is huge for that club. Just adds another savvy veteran. Plus, you got guys like Dawson and Buchanan. And holding now, Billings is there, and you got Brody Merrill, Pat's brother. When you can surround the young core group that you're going to sort of build this team on into the future with championship pedigree experience, you're going to have a lot of success. And there will be off nights, there will be struggles, there will be growing pains. But I think this group is going to see a lot of highs in their first season and a home opener this weekend. Uh, a win against Rochester, get them back to 500. I think everybody within that organization would be pretty happy with where they are at. Talked about the Georgia Swarm, and we'll hear from Smoke and Patty Gregoire in a minute as we have our weekly chat with Pat. But this is a Georgia Swarm team that is starting to really put their foot on the gas. And... We all know they can score goals in bunches. We all know they can defend with the best of them. But to be able to put it all together and to find their composure and come back and win that game against Vancouver when they were down, they battled back, and then it was the Lyle Thompson show, as it often is, with Georgia willing his team to victory. This is a team that everybody should be wary of. And the fact that they have been able to retool after losing guys like Hall, King, and Matisse. They have done an excellent job piecing this team together and making sure that they don't take any steps back. They want to get back to that Champions Cup game. 
They want to get back to the NLL Cup final. And I believe that the way they are trending, they got to be odds-on favorite out east, even though I had picked Buffalo. I think Buffalo and Georgia are going to be meeting near the end of the season to crown a champion. But I just love watching this Georgia Swarm team play. Um, They have a ton of grit, uh, a ton of energy, and everybody just plays their role. And this is something that a lot of young lacrosse players can really learn from. And you can watch most professional lacrosse teams, and you can find role guys. But I think there aren't just role guys. Every player has a role. Every player has a specific task within the team. And as long as you can stay within that role, you will be successful. And I say that because Drew Petkoff, um, the color analyst and former Swarm member, brought that up during the game. And he jokingly said, sometimes I found myself playing outside my ability and trying to go to the net or making a pass when I shouldn't have. Instead, I should have just given it to the yoga. I tried to do too much. I was doing something that was out of my role. Well, guys like Zed Williams and guys like Chad Tutton could be number one threats on a lot of teams. And yet, they have found their niche and found their role within the system of Eddie Como, and they are having success at that position. Go down most rosters in the NLL, and you'll see guys that could probably, if given the opportunity, would be a 30, 40 kind of kind of goal person or a number one shutdown D guy. But when you come in and you're new to a system, sometimes if you've come out of junior as this super duper stud, you have to wait for that progression to happen. And you have to step back and you have to be a role guy. And you have to do the little things and you have to maybe run transition, go out the back door for a year or two. But if you buy in and you play the role that the coach has put you in, you can have a ton of success and your career will actually last longer if you don't just find a round hole to put your peg in. If you can manipulate your game to become more all-round, more versatile, you will have a longer career in lacrosse. Don't just be an O guy. Be able to play D. And don't just be a D guy. Be able to run the floor. And that's where you see teams that are at the elite level is everybody buys into their role. They may want to be a 2020 guy, but instead they've taken a back seat and just said, you know what? I'm going to do whatever it takes to make my team better. And when you have those types of guys throughout your roster and not bitching and complaining or, or, you know, going to the coach, hey, man, I, I want more reps. I want more reps. That's great. You can be hungry for more reps. But don't make it so that it takes you out of the system and the coach says, you know what, I can do without you. If you play your role, you will get your reps. Buy into a system. And that's what really has allowed Georgia and even a team like Calgary. Calgary is missing or at least this weekend, they miss King, Berg, Dixon, and Pace. I don't know when Jesse King is going to be back. They'll have Pace back when they're playing home games and in Canada. He has 
Um, some issues crossing the border right now. I do believe he has some work visa issues. Nothing illegal or anything like that. I believe it's um, just from how he was working in the United States for a bit. But without Berg and without Dixon, they've had to have guys step up into roles that they may not be regularly in. And they've had guys step up. And you look at some of the youth that is playing big minutes for that club, Simpson, Bushy, Cummings, uh, Riley Lowen had a huge game. Ryan Martell had a great game this past weekend. When you can get guys to step up in the absence of others and either play within their role or step up to a role that they have earned, that just goes a long way in team success. And I think that is hugely responsible for why Calgary is where they are right now at 3-1. and one. Uh, If you listen to the Lacrosse Classified podcast with Jumbo and Evan, uh, they had Wes Berg on, and truly he said he doesn't see these negotiations ending anytime soon. He says the communication's not quite there, and if that's the case with Wes Berg, it's probably the same with Curtis Dixon, and as much as fans want to see those two guys on the roster playing every game, your team's three and one. I wouldn't really want to upset the apple cart right now. And I'm sure Mike Board, seeing the way his team is playing, isn't too keen to pick up a phone right now and upset things. Again, yes, everybody in Calgary would love to have Berg and Dixon back in the roster. But you're three and one. You're scoring at a great pace. Your defense is playing fantastic. Keep the status quo and and see where you can go from there because things seem to be working. And if it works and it ain't broke, don't fix it. Happy New Year, doing well, buddy. Uh, still uh, love that tune. Get me every time. It's a catchy little jingle. I, I had other, I had, I had other thoughts for it, but uh, I figured I'd just go with that one, and, and we'll see, we'll see how quickly it gets a Grammy nomination. There you go. Yeah, season two. Maybe you release another track. I, I'm. Whoa, let's not get ahead of ourselves. Let's <laughs> settle down. Let's settle down. Um, speaking of exciting and getting ahead of ourselves. Can the Georgia Swarm go undefeated? Throwing out the hot takes already. Let's, just throwing it there. <laughs> putting, you at the, putting you to the task. Yeah, no, I mean, undefeated, obviously. Yeah, that's that's a bit much. But, boy, do they do they look good. Uh, I mean, obviously, led by Lyle Thompson, looks like he's on route to potentially another MVP season. Uh, the things that he's doing, willing his team to victory, uh, you know, just a couple weeks ago in that Toronto Rock game, uh, they just look like they 
the way they were playing at the end of last year and the way that they were playing in their championship season, that's the team that we're seeing. But, you know, now we're seeing some, some new faces, you know, uh, on the team. You, you had a guy like Holden Katoni who fits in with this offense perfectly. Uh, a, a guy that's maybe not producing as much as some of the other big names, but Zed Williams, what a nice piece he has been. Uh, he does so, so much. I, I, oh, I love his game. And, and he, he's got some grit to him and he's, you know, he's set great picks. Uh, he's got an unbelievable release. He, he just, he fits into that offense so well. And then you look at the defense, it, it just seems that there isn't maybe one guy that really shines out. They play so well as a unit. And this is a team that in year past, they said, you know, you would see scores where they're just, you know, it's last, last team to score wins and it's usually them. But no, they've been playing some good defense. Mikey Poolin looks like he's playing some of the best ball that we've seen him play as well. I really like this team. I know I've thrown the term out quite a bit on Twitter, but they are a wagon. Yeah, and it, what's crazy is, you know, the amount of bodies that they lost, whether it was through trades or expansion draft, and to be able to pick right up where they have left off, like you were saying, uh, just goes to show what a great job Eddie Como and his staff have oh, done. Yeah. I know you were a big fan of Weidman and his game a couple weeks ago, but when I watched Zed Williams play the game this past weekend, um, every time I watched him move, whether it was for a loose ball or setting a pick, I kept on seeing Ryan Powell. And I -hmm. think that's just because he's an athletic, thick body uh, that sets good picks, that can move around, can take a shot when he's there, but he's a bull. And that he doesn't – you never would have thought that that he was going to be a big body, but he's really taken over the loss of Kyle Matisse and done it quite well. Yeah, he's, he really has, and, and I mean, you nailed it right on the head. Uh, they they did need that guy, that that guy, the you know, the, the five-tool, um, the Swiss Army knife player up front. Mm-hmm. Obviously, you've got a guy like, you know, Stotts, who does, you know, amazing things. He's kind of a little bit of a grinder as well. Uh, Shane Jackson, you know, obviously a smaller body, but does the little things as well. But they needed that guy that – that, like Matisse, will go in the corner, grab the loose balls, set those big picks, still score those big goals, and that's exactly what he has done. And another thing with this offense, it's not just, you know, Stotts, the Thompsons, uh, Williams. You mentioned already, you know, Adam Wiedemann. Uh, mm-hmm. He's scoring, and he scored in transition a couple of weeks ago. Chad Tutton, he's scoring in transition. He He's coming up with big plays. Uh, Ponner Sellers, another guy that's a great guy out the back door. Uh, you just look through the roster. They get scoring from everywhere, whether it be on the offense, the defense, in transition, and, and that's one thing. Yeah, you know what? Maybe you'll be able to contain a Thompson for a few quarters or you'll be able to contain Stotts for a bit. You can't shut down this entire team, and they find different ways to kill you offensively. You know, maybe one night they're just going to pour it in on, on, you know, on the offense and – the next game, they're going to score in transition. And some games, you have no way to stop anything because they're coming at you at so many different angles. Georgia goes into Philadelphia this weekend. Uh, the Colorado Mammoths play the Toronto Rocks this weekend. Who gets their first win, Philly or Colorado? Oof. That's, that's, that's a tough one. The way that Philly you know, played their last game, I really like what I saw from them. I know that wasn't the best effort from the Toronto Rock. Really got – took them a while to get going. You know, they only had three goal scores, but they still managed to have five from Jones and five from Schreiber and win the game. 
but with that being said, there's a large feline in the lineup that I think is going to make a big difference, uh, and that is Kevin Crowley, who, I, I, you know, the big cat coming back to Philly, I think that's huge. They're really missing a guy that can run the offense and be that veteran presence. Obviously, Kyle Matisse, we talked about him, what he was able to do with Georgia. He's doing the same thing. Uh, he's a heart and soul guy. Uh, you know, Chris Cloutier, he's obviously becoming a, a star in this league as well. But they need someone who can really take control because you've watched their offense. They show flashes of brilliance at some times, but at other times they look lost. And I think that's what Crowley's going to be able to do with this team. With that being said, though, Colorado, uh, two, two tough outcomes for them. I don't think we've seen the best from Colorado yet. And I think uh, a slump buster, a way to get their first win is play against uh, an expansion team that's starting to get better. So it's going to be a good challenge. But I just don't see this mammoth team. There's too much talent for them to go 0-3 to start the year. It will be a very interesting game against Toronto. Uh, you mentioned Kevin Crowley. We're going to speak with him uh, in a couple minutes here on Off the Crossbar. But do you think that this trade was magnified by the potential injury to Brett Hickey? I absolutely do. I think so. And uh, the rumblings that I've heard, it, it could be it could be all season long or it could be for a very long time. So I think especially seeing how their offense looked against Toronto, uh, like I said, five on five, they really couldn't get anything. They're doing a fantastic job actually producing in transition. A lot of great players are, are scoring in transition. But in the National Lacrosse League, you need to score five on five and you need to capitalize on the power play. Uh, and having a guy who's an X-50 goal scorer like Brett Hickey coming out of the lineup, well, now you're putting a guy, Kevin Crowley, who led the league in goals last season. He's a guy that's going to be able to contribute. And nothing against Brett Hickey. I love his game, uh, but I do think Crowley's a little more of a dynamic player. He's going to be able to do more. Uh, is he going to be able to jump in right away and, and change this offense? Probably not, but it's going to take a few, a, a little bit. And I know Kevin Crowley. I've seen his Instagrams. I know what the type of guy is. It's not like he's been sitting on his couch. He's been working hard. He's going to come in in great shape and ready to play. I think this is exactly what they needed. But, I mean, in short to answer, obviously, I think with Hickey going down, they needed another righty. But I think that they still were really trying to grab him, even with Hickey into the lineup. The Buffalo Bandits uh, put an absolute whooping on Rochester this weekend as Matt Vince became the all-time saves leader in the National Lacrosse League as he got a victory over his former team in a very lopsided game, 13-4. to I think it was tied for the third time that the Bandits have held a team to four goals. But you really like the wow. look of this Buffalo team and how they've kind of gelled together. They sat Corey Small one game. They were without Dane Smith. But this is a team that is potent on both sides of the ball. Yeah, it, it really is. And I, I think it's almost better that – you know, they didn't hit the floor in this season and everything go well for them. I mm -hmm. think having a little bit of adversity off the top kind of helps them. Obviously, you never want to see Dane Smith go down with injury. You never want to see a, a top guy in the league go down. But having him leave the, leave the lineup, like you said, Corey Small being out of the lineup, it allowed other guys to step up. It allowed for them to see what type of team they are. I mean, mm -hmm. Sean Evans – quietly putting together an unbelievable season once again 33 points in his first uh four games josh Byrne, uh he's a guy that's you know we're seeing what we saw from him at the start of the year i thought he kind of tailed off near the end of the year 
I think this is this season, his second year. I don't think we're going to see that that tail off. I think he's going to be consistent throughout the whole year. I mean, I've tooted his horn, uh, not just in his this first year of him playing out the outdoor, but uh, uh, Thomas Holgarth mm-hmm. has been a great addition out the front. You want to talk about a grinder? I mean, that guy has a knack for around the net. He he's a perfect addition. If you watched uh, any uh, major series lacrosse last year, you'd know that. Yeah, maybe he played some transition. Uh, in previous years, he played out the Odor with uh, the Lakers quite a bit this year and showed that he's an offensive player. But you look out at the D-door, I mean, Steve Priolo, he's having himself a heck of a year. Obviously, he's been one of the most consistent defenders all year or uh, uh, for the last few years, but uh, he's putting together a dominant year so far, just four games through. But uh, this just the, the big thing for me is, you knew it was going to take a while for this new defense to gel, and not just to gel, but they had to learn how to play with Matt Vince in, in between the pipes. And mm-hmm. he's a guy that you have to change your system because that's the way he wants to play, and he's a franchise goal. You're going to do that. So they also brought in a bunch of different guys on defense, and there's so many people just saying, oh, maybe this defense isn't as good. Maybe that Matt Vince has lost a step. No. You saw what this defense and what Fino is capable of doing. Now you have this offense so high-powered, and, and, and put that with the defense that we saw, and obviously Matt Vince still playing at the ability that he knows he can. This is a dangerous team. I doubt they hold teams to single digits every single week, and especially a potent team like Rochester. But, boy, if they can play you know, half as good as they did, they are going to be a problem in the East. They get the week off, but uh, they'll be right back at it next week. Uh, Patty, always a pleasure, my friend. It's always a lovely chat. I hear you're going to have a little segment with Tyson Dyke. What is it? Greggy's Gamers? Greggy's Gamers. Yeah, a little bit of a spoiler there. Yeah, yeah. no, uh, it, uh, Tyson uh, came to me with the idea. Has a pretty cool little graphic as well, too. So pretty much every week we're, uh, I'm going to pick uh, three guys. Uh, who I uh, think were the gamers. So not necessarily your top scorer, not necessarily your best defender or your best goalie, but the guys that really stepped up and helped their team win or uh, at least uh, stay within the game. Always a pleasure, my friend. We look forward to it. We also look forward to talking next week, Patty. Uh, Be well. Enjoy the games. We'll talk soon. Talk soon, buddy. Thanks for having me as always. Smoking Patty Gregoire, bringing the fire as always. Make sure you look out for Greggy's Gamers. Courtesy of the NLL Flash and Tyson Geik. But good stuff is always from Patty talking about um, just the impact that Kevin Crowley will have with his new club in Philadelphia. And I think that this is going to be a game changer for the Wings. And we're going to talk to the big cat here momentarily. He was a very busy man in Philadelphia the past couple days doing the media loop. Something that he's really enjoying. But I think it's a trade that made sense for both clubs. New England, you know, they've kind of moved on. They've got a new look in their offense. You know, Callum Crawford has really taken his game to another level this year in the absence of Crowley, and he's really, you know, allowed them the ability to say, hey, you know what, maybe we can move on from Kevin Crowley. And when you can pick up a couple first-rounders and you give up a 50-goal guy, for a team that doesn't have a lot of first-rounders, I think it's a deal that makes sense for both clubs. Philadelphia needed to pick up a right-hander. We still don't know the extent of the injury for Brett Hickey, how long he will be out. You heard Patty say 
um, that there are rumors it could be for quite a long time. Obviously, nothing official out of the Wings camp yet, but it almost seemed like as soon as Hickey went down, Paul Day picked up the phone, called Rich Lisk, and said, hey, let's make a deal. What do you want? It almost it, it forced Paul Day's hand to make that trade for Kevin Crowley. I believe that at the end of the day, the deal was going to get done at some point in time. But with the injury to the right-handed Hickey, it almost seemed like an inevitable move to go ahead and get that deal done. And so, when I caught up with Mr. Media, the big cat Kevin Crowley, first thing I asked was, when did you hear about the trade? I actually found out Saturday. Um, I got a call from our GM. He left a voice me. Uh, and then I, you know, I, he called right back, to be honest, and I was just like, you know what, I'm going to pick up this phone call. And, uh, <laughs> and then he told me. I, it was, you know. You, you never really know what those phone calls look like. I don't care if you know, whether you're holding out or whenever you get a call from your GM. You're, you know, I've learned over the course of my eight years in the league, it's like, you know, it's kind of nerve-wracking. Yeah. Know? Even if you feel like you're a good fan or whatever the case is. So, yeah, I found out Saturday, and, you know, it was uh, pretty exciting news. Obviously, during your time away from New England uh, with this holdout and, and the contract dispute, um, how were the communications between uh, your side and, and the Black Wolf side? Was there a lot of communication, or was this kind of a, a standoff? Uh, you know, there was con- there was conversation. Um, you know, but not as much as I probably would have liked uh, in terms of what I was looking for. But you know, it's the way it goes, and the business and. We're, you know, they're going to look out for their best interests, and then we do the same. So, unfortunately, we, uh, we couldn't make a – couldn't come to a deal. Uh, you had four good years in New England. Obviously, you have a lot of good things to say about that organization. Um, but you mentioned it. You're, you're happy to be back in Philadelphia. Why do you say that? You know, it's, like I said, like you said earlier, I started my career here, and I, you yeah. know, I've stayed here ever since. I've been here for seven years now, and uh, – you know, I, I, it's home for me now. And I've, you know, all my friends here. I had a great network. My company, Fusion uh, Lacrosse, we started up here. So I'm, uh, you know, this is this is my hometown, and you know, I love Philly sports and love cheering for the Eagles on Sunday. And, and yeah, like I said, this is this is where I call home. It's a little bit different than uh, your home in New West, isn't it? <laughs> a lot different. A lot. Different. <laughs> but, you know, subtleties that I can appreciate. Uh, you know, on both ends, obviously, I miss being uh, miss being close to my family, but uh, you know, they're supportive of me, and uh, and have been you know my number one fan and in my corner the whole time I've been over in Philadelphia. Obviously, with the injury to Brett Hickey, um, this move to acquire you became a little more uh, apparent for Philadelphia. What was the conversation with Paul Day once the deal was made? Uh, for me, I. You know, it was, uh, you know, obviously it's unfortunate. I played with Hickey, you know, back in Toronto, and you know he had that ankle injury in the final game of uh, of the series there in the championship. So it was, uh, you know, it's tough to hear anytime someone goes down. Obviously, a friend like, uh, you know, with Coach Day, it was I. One of my first questions was, I hope you didn't trade Jordan Hall. because <laughs> <laughs> obviously, you know, Jordan lives in Philadelphia now too, and he's a yeah. good buddy of mine, and you know. 
he he had mentioned it in passing that if I ever got traded to the Wings, that he might be on the uh, he might be getting shipped out. But unfortunately, you know, that's not the case, and I get to play with uh, one of my good buddies who I've known from you know obviously a West Coast guy too. Mm-hmm. This is a very young Philadelphia team. They're off to a bit of a slow start in their in their rebirth as the Wings. But what do you like about this make the makeup of this club? Yeah, I've, I've watched their games, and they're a resilient bunch. You know, they they stuck around in games when uh, you know when you thought they were they were done for, and you know that that resiliency and that kind of grit is is what Philadelphia fans love, and it's uh, you know it's exciting to be a part of a young team and taking a leadership role, stepping in here. Uh, like I said, you know, getting to play with guys like Jordan Hall and Dylan uh, Evans, guys I've played with before. It's it's an exciting thing, and you know, a new opportunity for me, and a whole, and a new chapter. So, you know, hopefully, I can continue the success I had last year. You had 51 last year for New England. Are you are you ready to pick the stick back up and get right into things? Yeah, I sure hope so. I mean, <laughs> I think that's what they brought me in here for. So, I don't want to disappoint anyone. And like, hey, we're going to be a pretty good crowd on Saturday, so patience on. But everything, I'm looking forward to it. And a lot of those faces in the crowd are, you know. Friends of mine, or kids I coach, or you know, a lot of a lot of good people in that crowd that I know, and I know they've got my back, so that's comforting. What have you been doing uh, during this sort of lengthy delay to get you back onto a NLL turf? Uh, watching more film than I've ever watched. <laughs> watching more games. I mean, uh, you know, I was at the Vancouver Warriors home opener. I tried to sit behind the righty shooters just so you know get a scout. Uh, trying to, you know, learn as much as I can. And for going into this weekend, you know, I've got to study the guys that I'm – not only the guys I'm playing, but the guys I'm playing with. So, right. you know, we can ease that transition and, you know, hit the ground running. Uh, there's really no time for uh, when you're 0-3 for, for, you know, a gradual progression. You know, <laughs> you just got to go. Absolutely. Um, you mentioned Fusion Lacrosse. How's the company going? And um, what's been the best part about having your own lacrosse company? It's going great. We've expanded down to Virginia now, so we're in Philly and Virginia. Uh, best part about it is, you know, I got flexibility to, to be able to do things I love to do, like travel. But, you know, at the end of the day, I'm passionate about coaching. Uh, I wouldn't, you know, sometimes I feel like I like it more than actually playing. And, you know, having a positive impact on these uh, young kids' lives is, is rewarding to me and watching them, you know, grow up, you almost feel like a parent figure to them. Uh, and that's, like I said, very rewarding. So, you know, I've, I'm lucky to be in a position I'm in to get to live in the city and, and coach lacrosse and play lacrosse and make a living off it. So always trying to give back to, to the kids too. How is the, uh, the box growth coming in Philadelphia? It's moving, man. I'm, you know, the IQ level of a of a high schooler, uh, if you went back like four or five years ago to now, is completely different. They are they're playing legit box that could compete with Canadian teams, uh, and that's you know it's awesome to see. And and you know when I say like you catch the bug, like people catch the box across bug and they can't get enough of it. It's like learning a completely different sport, um, and they love it. And you you it's, Certainly been a lot of growth in Philadelphia over the past five years. You were a very busy man this week since the trade has gone down, doing the media circuit. Um, 
you really enjoy, you know, talking with the media and being behind a microphone. Why is that? I just feel like, you know, when you're a, a professional lacrosse player, you're not always you're not pushed out there like, a, like you know, a hockey player, or a professional football player, basketball player. And so, you know, when you get a chance to get involved in the community and meet local media personalities, you really feel like you're relevant. Uh, and that you have like some ground in the community, right? and, and that's I have that you know since I started in Philadelphia, and you really have, I haven't been to a market since. Played in the market, whether it's indoor or outdoor, though. you know you feel like the the community wraps their arms around you, and you know like I said, it's uh, it's not something that lacrosse players are into all the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, so when you when you do get to experience it, you really you know. And, and, you know, I was probably naive the first, the first go-around here in Philly, but, you know, now that I've seen what it's like on other teams, I, I really just, you know, love getting out there and, and you know, talking to these people and sharing my story. Have you uh, asked Def Charbonneau for your number yet? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I unfortunately didn't have to have that conversation. He gave it over probably oh, too wow. easily. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> too easily. Right. I know. He's kind of worked some negotiation there, but he's obviously a beauty and uh, and gave it up right away. So appreciate that. And I'll buy him dinner or something, but I think he's trying to negotiate. It held out. Yeah. Held out on it. <laughs> Big Cat, uh, it's going to be awesome to see you back on the floor. I know you're excited, and your first game in a wing jersey is going to be at home in the Philadelphia area in front of that crowd. How pumped are you uh, for Saturday night? It's going to be great. We're going to have a good crowd with the lacrosse convention in town. Uh, you know, playing my first game back in, in, front of, in a Wings uniform in front of the, you know, those fans that even stayed loyal when we weren't the Wings anymore, when they didn't exist. So, yeah. it's uh, you know, it's going to be a, a really cool feeling walking out on that turf. It will be a very special and emotional night for Kevin, I'm sure, as he returns to the Philadelphia Wings organization where he started his career it's kind of funny hearing him at the start of that interview, you know, talking about when he found out about the trade and, and getting the call from your general manager. That's always a very, very nerve-wracking moment. I've been on the end of a few GM calls, and I can honestly say none of them have ever gone my way. Uh, it was either being put on long-term reserve or being traded or being let go. I have never really had a positive call from a general manager. Now that I'm in the media, any call that I have with the GM is great. We just like to talk and talk and talk. But as a player, when the GM calls you, eh, I don't know. He said he let the first time he let it go to voicemail. The second time when it rang, maybe I should see what this is all about. Kevin, Rich, you're traded. You're going to Philadelphia. Maybe not that short and sweet, but it got done. And so... You can hear it in Kevin's voice. He was happy to be in Philadelphia, uh, a place that he now calls home. Uh, He's got his business there. He's got friends and family there. He's got sort of a new life in Philadelphia, and it just made sense for him to be with the Wings. Like I said, I always had a feeling that this is the way it was going to go down. And, yeah, I, I think it's just a good fit for everybody. New England gets some draft picks that they were so highly coveting. And they get two firsts from Philadelphia. And Philadelphia gets a big right-handed score that will work very well with Kyle Matisse and that young offense. 
and he gets to be back with some good friends like Jordan Hall and the like. So when Philadelphia takes the floor this weekend uh, against the Georgia Swarm, it'll be a pretty pretty special night for Kevin Crowley. Uh, I love the fact that Steph Charbonneau just gave him the number 21. Didn't fight him, didn't hold it ransom, didn't say anything. Just, hey, man, here's your number. That is a great move by a young lacrosse player. But as Kevin said, a little shocking he didn't ask for something. He'll get a dinner or two, maybe a couple cheesesteaks, a couple steak dinners. But the fact that as soon as the trade was made, Sharves was like, here, man, you can have 21. I don't need it. It's yours. That's just class. I like that. I like stories like that. I also like when, you know, guys say, no, man, I'm wearing 21. So if you want it, hook a brother up. All in good fun. But that's just kind of the way athletes and numbers work. Everybody's got their favorite. Everyone's got the one that they want to wear. And sometimes you have to pay for it. Sometimes it just get given to you. So kudos to Steph Charbonneau for just volunteering the number. And like I said, and as just like Krause said, he'll most likely buy him a dinner of some sort. Uh, thanks to Kevin Crowley for stopping in and giving him some time. As I said, he is a very busy man doing the media loop in Philadelphia. And I like the fact that he says when he was first in the league as a young player in Philadelphia, he didn't really understand or give full respect to doing the media circuit and being in front of the media. And I know a lot of young athletes, whether they're in college or whatever sport it may be, those first few moments where you get a camera and a microphone put in your face, it can be very intimidating. And some people just aren't comfortable talking in front of people or in front of a camera. And some people are just natural at it. Others take time. Take a look at... Austin Stotts. Go back and look at his interview when he was drafted into the National Lacrosse League. He was kind of shy, a little, you know, on the back heels. He wasn't saying too much. Sure, he said, yeah, we're going to win championships, which was awesome. But he was a little bit shy, gun shy, as it were. But now that he's gotten more comfortable, he's doing more media, he's doing more interviews, you can hear in his voice how much more confidence he has. Now, a lot of that extends from the confidence that he has as a lacrosse player. But you can still see there are some players who just aren't smooth in front of a camera. Their, their answers are choppy, short, one or two words. Uh, they don't look into the camera. They look into the ground and look up in the sky. Uh, they stumble. That's okay. You'll learn and you'll progress to become a better speaker. Just do me a favor, fellas. Lift the helmet up. Get the cage away from the face. Let us see your pretty smiles and let us hear your voice. With the National Lacrosse League doing more in-game interviews, we need to allow our players to be accessible. And at the same time, we need to be able to hear you. So let's make sure we're lifting up those face masks, letting our voices project, have some confidence, say what you need to say, and have some fun with it. Lacrosse players are personalities from one to a hundred. Everybody has their own personality. Don't be shy. The cameras are your friend. And the media is not trying to make you look bad. They're trying to help you out. Just like me. I'm trying to help people out. But right now, 
That's all we got time for. Thanks to Kevin Crowley. Thanks to Pat Gregor and Patty Merrill. Uh, again, games this weekend. There are five of them, and they're all Saturday. Starts with Georgia at Philly, Toronto at Colorado, New England at Calgary, Saskatchewan at Vancouver, and then Rochester will be there in San Diego for the Seals' first ever game in San Diego. If you want to get a hold of me, you can email me, teddy.jenner at gmail.com, or you can find me on Twitter at off the crossbar. I'm off to Denver this weekend, and next weekend, then I get a week off from traveling. I'm going to probably check out the Colorado-Vancouver game in a few weeks, but the Mammoth, got to get a couple home, a couple more home games out of the way, and hopefully a couple home wins. That'll do it. Until next time, enjoy the games, everybody, and be excellent to each other. I am an alcoholic.